incomparable. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible, eh? Welcome to the Greens and Blues 14er podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about the 14er, Uncompagre Peak. So I'm curious, Zach, why are we talking about Uncompagre? A few years ago, we were hiking together and I asked you, Eric, what's your favorite peak? This is not a conversation we've had before. And in my head, I was already preparing to tell you my favorite peak, which was <laughs> Uncompagre. And you replied, Ungumpagre. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And we had, <laughs> we hiked Ungumpagre Peak together about seven years ago. And it was just a really memorable day. Sometimes peaks become your favorites or one of your favorites because of, because of the peak. And Ungumpagre is a wonderful peak, but also because of how you feel that day, the weather all the stuff that kind of goes into what that day is. Right. Yep. And I think we both kind of had a great day out and Uncompagre Peak, as we'll describe it, is this really impressive peak that you look at it from a variety of angles and you wonder how the heck am I going to get up that thing? <laughs> and then it has this magical, wonderful route that allows you to get to the top and the top is this glorious place. And so it's, it's a surprising summit with absolute five-star views, and it's in an absolutely wonderful area. It's a really dynamite peak. It is. And I think it also, I think it's pretty underrated as 14 years ago. It doesn't get quite the same coverage and attention as maybe its counterparts in the Sawatch and in the front ranges. So just a couple of things about Uncompagre Peak. So the name itself is interesting. It comes from the Ute dialect, but if you look around online, you're going to get some differing opinions on exactly what it means. There are some sources that feel that it means dirty water. Some feel that it means red water spring or even hot water spring. So likely it has something to do with water, even if there isn't a full consensus on what the name means. Also, I think we could safely say there isn't necessarily consensus on how tall it is. I think generally it hovers right around 14,320 feet, but different sources are going to give you plus or minus 10 to 15 feet on that too, which means it is the officially the sixth highest peak in the state. Although there is a peak that likes to go by the name of North Massive, a little bit northeast of there, that might want to challenge it for that, even though it doesn't have a name and it is not officially a 14er based on vertical prominence, but That's another topic for maybe another episode. Regardless, Uncompagre can take pride in being considered the tallest peak in the San Juans, so it is the king of the southwest Colorado region. So, from there, I wonder what Dr. Jerry Roach would say about Uncompagre. Jerry Roach is a well-known, renowned guide to the 14ers. He's written a, a number of guides to Colorado's 14ers and 13ers. He's one of the originals, along with a a couple other authors for documenting these routes and for showing the variety of routes to access 14ers. Before 14ers.com, there was Mm -hmm. Jerry Roach. 
it's a bit of an inside joke between Eric and I that we call him Dr. Jerry Roach. <laughs> I don't believe he holds an earned doctorate <laughs> or a medical degree. But he should. From, he should. He should at least have an honorary degree. <laughs> So I have in my hands here the first edition of Colorado's 14ers from Hikes to Climbs by mm. Jerry Roach himself. And he describes it as such. This uncomparable peak <laughs> claims many titles. <laughs> it oh, is Jerry. Colorado's sixth highest peak, the highest peak in the San Juans, and the highest peak in Hinsdale County. He loves county prominence, by the way. Mm, interesting. You can easily recognize its shapely size from many viewpoints. Uncompagre is a peak of contrast. A trail reaches the summit from the south, but the peak has a fearsome vertical 700-foot high north face. Courtly cliffs. There's good alliteration for literary good. majors. I like it. Grace this compelling peak's lower ramparts, and clever roots winding past them will draw you upward. There is a subtle poetry to the way Jerry Roach talks about peaks. Indeed. So today we devote our episode to this incomparable peak. <laughs> Stands as one of the highest in Colorado. Indeed. Roach's route descriptions are surprisingly spare. Mm -hmm. um, for other routes, he gives a lot more detail. In this one, he basically says... Follow the trail to a saddle, go through a notch, and there you are. We'll try to put a little bit more meat on that bone for you today. Yeah. And 14ers.com, I think, does a similar job. Usually the website is more detailed than than Dr. Jerry is, but I think in this case, they're both pretty spare, and uh, we might get into kind of why that is here in a minute. So what about getting to the trailhead? If, we, if we're going to start at the beginning, we kind of got to get to the first spot. What are our thoughts on getting to the trailhead? For most people, you're going to be accessing it probably the standard route, which would mean you're going through Lake City. And then, which in and of itself, getting to Lake City is a bit of a drive if you're mm. in Denver or Albuquerque or really pretty much anywhere other than Gunnison or Creed yeah. is a bit of a drive. Then you're going to drive up the northern end of the Alpine Loop. And you're going to approach the Nelly Creek Road. And this is where things get interesting. This is where we also need to introduce mm -hmm. the Greens and Blues podcast, Subi Scale. We do. Would you like to explain the Subi Scale to our listeners, Eric? So the Subi Scale, and this is your idea. I love it. It's based on the Colorado State Car, which is the Subaru, whatever it is that you have. And you and I happen to both drive a Subaru Forester. I'm not sure if it's illegal for you living in Oklahoma to be driving the Colorado State car, but regardless, that's what we both drive. There's and an extra tax. Is there? Okay. Oh, should have known there's something in there. Uh, based on our Subi scale, we're going to rate on a scale of one to what the heck or one to 10 or whatever we end up choosing to determine how difficult it is to get to the trailhead in a Subaru. So, and in many cases, it's going to be a standard trailhead as well as maybe a four wheel drive trailhead, which Uncapagre happens to have too. In this case, yeah. So, there are two different places that are parkable. So, immediately after turning off from the Alpine Loop, there are a number of places to park on the way up that don't require four wheel drive. So, if you're driving a sedan, a car you adore, 
a little <laughs> bit more than than some other vehicle. And that would be a place to park. There are a few places to park along the Nelly Creek Road on the on the approach. The road up to the standard trailhead is about four and a half miles. And on the Subi scale, I would rate it a maybe you shouldn't do this. The road itself is difficult mm-hmm. in a Subaru Forester. I would imagine in a anything with less than about 10 inches of clearance and some lower gear ratios would be hard. Mm-hmm. I drove it this past summer, so that would be the summer of 2023. I drove it in a stock Jeep Cherokee from 1996 with only 7,000 miles on it. We could that's a story for another that's day. A, that's its own story. And I needed to use four low at a couple places. Mm. It had not rained recently. I could see where if it had rained recently, the road would be even a little bit more difficult. It's muddy in spots. I don't know how anyone with less than eight inches of clearance would feel about doing it. I would almost guarantee a few places where it scrapes bottom. Mm -hmm. That being said, when I got there to the trailhead, I saw someone had driven a Ford Escape and a... Subaru cross trek all the way up. Interesting. And it surprised the heck out of me and out of the two hitchhiking companions that I picked up going to the trailhead. Hmm. I would not feel comfortable taking my own Subaru Forester up the road. And I have a fairly high threshold for damaging my car. Eric would be a total no on that, right? No, it's a what the heck on the the one to all the way up on the Subi scale. There's no way I'd take a Forester up there. We did it in my Wrangler several years ago and that even that had a few sketchy areas that were passable for sure but just took a bit of effort i don't i wouldn't take a subaru up there the other thing to keep in mind is the road is quite narrow Mm. it's a shelf road in places and if you do decide to go up the road and you've got the proper kind of vehicle to do it so i would consider anything like a tacoma or a forerunner i saw a couple driving a land rover those are all fine. Mm-hmm. If you do decide to do that, though, you have to be very mindful of cars coming down or when you're descending, cars coming up in the mid-afternoon or side-by-sides because it's the Alpine Loop. There's quite a few of those on there. Yep. So you'll want to always keep an eye out for those kinds of things as you kind of work your way up the road. But on the SUV scale, that would be a mm, no. <laughs> I love all the ratings we're coming up with here because, and they all apply because that's, it's not an easy road. It's not. And and there are a couple stream crossings that you'll Mm, have to do if, if you drive it, it is worth it if you have a vehicle that can do it though. So if you have, if you have the kind of stock vehicle or modified vehicle that can go up roads like that, it will trim four and a half hours Mm -hmm. off your hike. And those stream crossings are, are not very doable in your shoes. So you would, those are places where you might have to take off your shoes. Mm. It would, it would save some time and effort and about nine miles round trip from, from having the, to hike that round all the way. Yep. Worth it if you can do it. What about camping? Can you camp anywhere near there too? Along the Alpine loop before you get to the Nelly Creek turnoff, there's really not many camping spots. Mm. There may be a few dispersed sites that you can kind of pick your way into if you're a an inveterate dirt bagger like myself (laughs) you can crawl into the back of your subaru and sleep there at night and just hope that nobody high beams you in the middle of the night 
but on the Alpine Loop Road, there's really not much there. Now, when you get on the Nellie Creek Road, there are dispersed camping options. So you will find right, right away when you pull off, there's a number of little spots where I've seen RVs there before or other vehicles. And as you work your way up the road, there are a few spots. And then at the trailhead, there's quite a few places. And mm. a lot of people choose to camp at the trailhead there. But if you do that, know that you're going to be surrounded by some of your best friends mm -hmm. yep. and people arriving at all hours in the morning to hike the peak. Yep. Um, I've seen people showing up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. So you know that you might be disturbed if you end up doing that. The other thing to mention here is that there is a toilet at the trailhead. It is not well maintained in the sense that it is a structure that has a toilet. It may or may not have toilet paper and it may or may not have been cleaned that summer. Mm, yeah, that whole summer. Well, there you go. That whole summer. Yeah. So no, the trail is in better shape than the toilet is. Oh, there so you go. Keep that in mind, friends. Take yourself into your own hands. How about the hike itself, Eric? We we've hiked this together. What were your impressions on the hike and what it requires? Yeah, I think there's a lot of good impressions on the hike. I think it's like a lot of 14ers as you start below tree line at the trailhead, you're kind of weaving your way up. One thing I recall as you leave tree line, I noticed, I don't know why I remember this, but the these giant boulders that were kind of on the side of the trail that had these holes that almost looked like they were perfectly drilled into the rock. And there were dozens of these holes in each rock. And there were probably half a dozen rocks that had this. I have no idea where they came from. I have no idea how those holes got there. I don't know if it was a, an insect or a bird or some other animal caused it or aliens. if there's some special erosion or if it was aliens or what was going on. But it looked really cool. But I, I could have sworn it was on the trail coming out from tree line that these boulders started popping up on the trail. And just that just fascinated me. Yeah, and one of the real allures of hiking Uncompagre is is that initial approach. Mm. For those of you that drive into Lake City at any point, especially if you go over Slumgullion Pass from the south, the massif that forms Uncompagre Peak is just glorious. And it's you can a, see it too. It It is it's, a massive peak. It's not obscured. No, there it really dominates the skyline. And so as you approach from the east and you're kind of working your way up the trail towards Uncompagre itself, this massif becomes more and more prominent as you mm. approach it. Yep. And it it really is a glory. It almost looks like a coxcomb or like a chicken head mm -hmm. yep. as you kind of walk towards it. And as you're working your way, kind of winding your way up this valley, kind of paralleling a stream, Nelly Creek, as you're going, as you're going up the views start to open up more and more until eventually you do get to Timberline and it doesn't take long. Maybe nope. if you're hiking at a decent pace, 30, 45 minutes and the view really starts to open up. And when you start to see Uncompagre itself, what you want to start looking for is working your way up the valley and then going gently to your left or to the south where the trail will kind of meet up with a saddle there and then you're going to skirt the ridge on that left side a fair distance up the peak until you get to a couple points on the route where you're going to have to just 
to descend below these kind of cliffs that form the the prominent massif of Uncompahgre itself. Yep, and it is a beautiful class one hike, kind of maybe occasional switchback on the way up, but you just you have a great view of the mountain. I think really the entire time, and as you kind of approach that ridge, you just you overlook, and it's just it's just a gorgeous view. And you know we, we see gorgeous views from anywhere else as well, but for some reason it just feels it feels even more glorious from Uncompahgre for some reason. To me, it felt just amazing. Part of the appeal of that is that the tundra there is expansive. Mm. It's this, there's a lot of ground that is above timberline there. It's also rich. Those are volcanic soils. So those soils are a little bit more rich. They hold more grass. So there's mm. a little bit more color in it. Yeah. It's that wide open view though, that you get and even, and the higher you go, the more it opens up to these other basaltic peaks that kind of surround you red cliff and coxcomb wetterhorn matterhorn some unnamed 13ers that all have these really interesting geologic features that are beautiful and then they're contrasted the soils on those are kind of darkish gray brown those soils are contrasted with this really vibrant green if mm. you're hiking in the summer of these tundra so, uh, of these tundra grasses so it's a really exceptional view. There's a, quite a bit of wildlife around that area. When Eric and I hiked it, when we got to the saddle before we started really truly ascending Uncompahgre, we saw a shepherd herding a giant herd of sheep below mm. us, which was really interesting. But there are to the area to the north is the big blue wilderness. And in there, there's a ton of elk, deer. I scared a coyote this past summer in the big blue wilderness. <laughs> so there's all kinds of wonderful wildlife there too. So we make our way up to kind of up to the left as we're going north up the trail and we get to the base of what becomes the crux of the route. It's this, I think Dr. Jerry describes it as kind of a, a talus field, which again is not, not too dissimilar to a lot of the Sawatch 14ers where you kind of, they become class two because you're kind of rock hopping up to the summit. But this crux, I feel like, is different in that, yeah, it's a talus field. Yeah, you're going uphill. But to me, it's similar somewhat to the trough on Long's Peak in that it's kind of maybe, to me, on the upper end of class two. Like, you're not going hand over hand to get up, but you're putting your hands down a fair amount to gain leverage. You're hiking definitely upward. You're feeling the elevation that you're gaining over time. and there's a certain, there's, there's more of a challenge to it. I think you're actually more engaged with the mountain as you're climbing the crux of Uncompahgre than you do for most of the, the summits of the Sawatch 14ers. There's just something, there's something different about how you have to get up that crux. And it is, it's maybe 150 or so feet of elevation gain, but there's something unique about going up that crux to me. That particular feature on the mountain that you're describing perfectly is it is like a talus field but it's enclosed so there's there's a cliff band to your right and to your left as you're kind of working your way up yep. this this talus feature 
And the hardest part about it, it would be twofold. For someone that's a beginner, what you're probably going to notice there is there is a little bit of exposure. There is exposure. Yep. A fall there would not be fatal, but it it wouldn't it wouldn't be benign either. It would really it, hurt. Yep. It, it would be problematic. And the other thing that you're going to notice is how loose the rock is. It's a little gravelly and a little loose. And there's nothing there that's inherently threatening or dangerous. You just have to make sure you've got good footing all the way up. This was a, uh, a spot too. And when Eric and I were hiking this, Eric, there was a moment, I think, where your feet slipped out a little bit and kind of kind of looked a little distressed. And I I started spontaneously singing Kid Rock's Ba with the Ba <laughs> to make him feel better. And if anyone's ever heard that song, it absolutely does not make any sense at all. No, not at all. And it it successfully distracted Eric long enough to get him up this hundred. So in the time it takes you to sing Ba with the Ba a couple times, you should make it to the top. You're at of, the top. That really is kind of the hardest part of the route. And once you're past that, it's a very, it, it's so level, you could almost land a plane on it. Yeah. Uh, the top of the summit is very level and you get to kind of very slowly, cleanly walk to the summit with these spectacular views all around you. It is. It's easy class one pretty much all the way from the top of that crux all the way to the summit. And yeah, I think in in my evolution as a hiker, Uncompagre kind of came at a time where I don't think I was very comfortable with kind of upper class two hiking and kind of getting up that little bit of exposure. And so, yeah, that Kid Rock distraction definitely got me up the mountain. I don't think that I will ever admit that to Kid Rock if I ever meet him, but that was that was you saving the day. So I greatly appreciated that. At Once you get to the top, that's where I think Uncompagre becomes incomparable. <laughs> you know, there there are certain peaks in Colorado that have absolutely sensational views. Handy's Peak is one of them. There are some peaks in the Central Sawatch with amazing views and the Elks. Uncompagre is right up there. You're really surrounded by spectacular peaks with really interesting dynamic geologic features on a good day you can see multiple mountain ranges you can see out to the la platas you can see to the sneffels group you can see the entire big blue wilderness and all the way down to the Wimanooch. it's a really fantastic summit because it's the highest point for maybe 50 miles 60 mm -hmm. 70 80 100 miles in any direction well, I think that Dr. Jerry describes uncomparable, uncompagre at the summit as being, he says, tenga cuidado, I think. Take care because there's there's a few spots on the summit that if you're you're not careful, you could slip and really go a ways down just because it is that sheer, I think on the north side of the mountain. Mm -hmm. but yeah, the views were just, they were spectacular. Uncompagre is just kind of in a class of itself when it comes to just all the mountains you can see around. And like you described the geology earlier, it's everything around just feels and looks just a little bit different and it's, it's glorious. There, there is also an advantage to it. We mentioned earlier that, you know, in other places, if Uncompagre was a two hours drive from Denver, it would be one of the most visited mountains oh, in yeah. Colorado. Absolutely. But in its relative seclusion in Hinsdale County near Lake City, one of the least populated counties in the United States, you can have a moment on Uncompagre to yourself. Mm -hmm. 
and you can have a time that's just yours there, especially if you're there early enough or late enough for that matter. Yeah. And there is the space up there and the the clarity up there where you can you can sit for a while and enjoy that view. I do really agree though that I this past summer hiked in the Big Blue Wilderness to the north of Uncompahgre. Those cliff bands on the north side are spectacular. They are. But you really realize when you're beneath them how sheer that face is mm. off the north side of Uncompahgre. Yep, yep. Is there much to say about the descent, Eric? You know, at, at that point, I was just kind of butt scooting down, down that crux. But otherwise, I think, you know, going up versus going down, there's a different mindset, I think. I think you enjoy the views a little bit more because there's a bit less effort to, to going down than there is going up. But overall, I think it, it was fantastic, both going up and going down. What do you think? I, I agree. There is a different mindset going down. There is a little bit... When you're going up, there's always the worry of the unknown and what what lies ahead. But mm. then there's this almost this kind of runner's high on the descent that you feel as you're as you're going down. Everything feels better. In my case, I've had lunch and <laughs> things are don't underestimate that. No, things feel right for my fellow 13er brethren and sisterin. If you want to tag a 13er onto this too, on the descent. Uncompagre shares a saddle with an adjacent 13er to the south of it. And you can tag that 13er relatively easily if, if you want to do so. There's not, there's not a trail to the top of that, but it's a fairly competent class two hike to the top of that, where you just basically stay on hikers right the entire time. I'm guessing so, there's an extra credit in Dr. Jerry's book about that, huh? I, I don't know. He sometimes <laughs> gives extra credit. He's he a good does. teacher like that. But 50 um, more roach points or something for getting that one. <laughs> yeah, it's only it's only slightly above 13,000 feet. Mm. But it's a it's a worthy summit in its own right. And it has all along that saddle has spectacular views of Uncompagre itself. Mm. So that would be an additional add-on because in total, if you go from the standard trailhead, if you rough up your Subaru Outback or your uh, Buick Regal going up this road, you've only really put in about eight miles. I think it's about trip. eight miles round trip from the upper trailhead. Yeah. So, so if, if you've got a good weather window and you've gotten out there early enough, it should be a relatively short, easy day on, on the trail. That being said that it's always a 14 er so things can always happen and you always give yourself a margin of error. But for the most part, this is one of the, the shorter approaches and one of the shorter peaks that you can do in, in Colorado, especially in the San Juans. Yep. So Eric, how would you rate Uncompagre on multiple dimensions? What, what kind of difficulty rating would you give the peak? I think that it's, it's rated as a class two mountain as it should be. The, the crux of the route is certainly class two. The rest of it is class one trail. I think the whole way. So if it's considered kind of on the upper end of class two, then I don't know that it's quite that difficult if you take the entire route in as a whole. I feel like class two is appropriate to, to rate it because of that, that difficult section. It's not that difficult, but it's, it's the toughest part of the route. But I think it's worthy of the class two rating. But I would say overall, there are probably other class twos 
probably a bit more difficult than in compagre overall, just due to overall length, elevation gain, things like that. So what are your thoughts? I would agree. I think the difficulty rating as it's been defined on 14ers.com and Jerry Roach and others, it's calling that a class two is perfectly fine. The other thing that I would say, and I always wish that a guidebook would have this is how hard is it? Not the climbing difficulty, but how much of a sweat am I going to get in mm-hmm. on this thing? What kind of grunt is, is this going to require? Yeah. And I find that, you know, on a scale of zero to five, where a zero is a walk in the park, driving all the way to the top of Pikes Peak and getting donuts <laughs> and a five is. Sounds really epic, good, actually. Doesn't it? Um, <laughs> an epic long climb is a five. Mm. I would say Uncompagre is in the lower end of that too. Maybe oh, yeah. a one or a two. It's I'd a, a two. Yeah. It's a relatively easy hike. The trail is intelligent. It switchbacks where it needs to switch back. You're never approaching a an incline at the angle of repose. You're never walking up the the fall line or anything like that. So for the most part, I would say Uncompagre as as a grunt is really low on the scale. Agreed. Um, what would you rate it on a scale for beauty, Eric? Oh gosh. Are we going one to five? Sure. I might go like a 12. It's, it's just absolutely gorgeous. I think I have to resist the urge to compare it to the Sawatch because it's a different animal, but I think that's exactly why it's that much more beautiful than most of the Sawatch views that I've seen. It's, it's a striking mountain. It's a very prominent mountain, like you mentioned before, and the views from all different points on the trail are just astounding with everything around. So I would say it's it's a five in my book. Yeah, I think that's what makes Uncompagre such a great peak is the return on investment. Mm, yep. You're you're gonna put in a little bit of effort for a lot of extraordinary views. Mm-hmm. And if you are willing to, to put in the time to get down there, which may be the hardest part, getting down there and getting up to the trail. Mm-hmm. And then putting in the work to get to that saddle at that point, the views are compensating you every bit of the way for the effort that you've put in to to hike the peak and to get there. It's really, yeah, one of those peaks in Colorado. And there's a few others that we've done together, Handys and Mm -hmm. uh, some others that, boy, whatever you put into it, you're going to get out of it tenfold. For sure. Yep. So, Zach... How about after the hike? Where are some good places to eat near Uncompagre? Mm, that's an excellent question, Eric. We've eaten at one of the finest dining establishments in Lake City, which is Southern Vittles. Oh, yes. If if you, like us, enjoy all things fried or buttery after a hike and want to replace your fat stores, Southern Vittles is very nice. That was fantastic. This podcast not sponsored by Southern Vittles. No, but it should be. Should be. If you find your way going back through towards Creed, there's a lovely burger place about 10 miles south of Spring Creek Pass called Freeman's that has good burgers and ice cream. And in Creed itself, there's a few places. Arps sometimes has good fried chicken. Sometimes it doesn't. That's, (laughs) that's That's up to Arps. But my two 
top choices would be Southern Vittles in Lake City and Freeman's just north of Creed or just south of Spring Creek Pass. Yeah, Southern Vittles was fantastic. They had great barbecue there, and I think we had some good sandwiches when we went. So that's a great call. I have a question for you, Eric. Yeah. Barbara Walters on 2020. I love that 20, we're going to reference Barbara Walters. 2020. <laughs> I'm Hugh Dowds. That's right. I'm Barbara Walters. <laughs> she famously asked a celebrity, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Oh, man. So I want to ask you, Eric, if Uncle Padre was a song, what kind of song would it be? I love this question. And I think partially because you and I are just such huge music fans to start with that this is just very appropriate. It took me a bit to think through this. I think for future peaks, I'll have to just comb through my entire song archive and figure out what fits the most. But uh, after thinking about it for a little bit, it's actually from Tom Petty. So his second album, Wildflowers, his second solo album, it came out in the mid-90s. And there was a minor hit from that album called A Higher Place. The song itself, I mean, the lyrics are the lyrics get a little bit melancholy in places, but kind of towards the end, they kind of pick up and become a bit more uplifting. But musically, to me, the entire song is just oozes joy. It's very uplifting. The acoustic instrumentation is very, very upbeat. The strings in the bridge are just glorious. And it's a song that it just, it does, it fills me with joy just the way that Uncompagre did. It's very appropriate for that mountain and that song to just go together. They seem to fit perfectly, I think. So if I had to pick a song, it'd be A Higher Place from Tom Petty. So I am waiting with bad breath to hear what your pick is going to be for your song for Uncompagre. Well, I mentioned it's part of this geologic feature or set of geologic features that there's actually an adjacent peak called Coxcomb. Mm. And in many ways, Uncompagre looks like Coxcomb. So my pick is slightly more irreverent than your spiritual pick. There's a lovely blues tune by a great blues man named Bobby Rush called Chicken Heads. And I can't help when I think of Uncle Padre, I think of a chicken's head. The song Chicken Heads is not about, well, he does mention chicken heads at one point, but it's really a love song. Bobby Rush says in Chicken Heads, Mama told me on her dying bed, don't think with your heart and never lose your head. Mm. And he says, but you came along and what did I do? I lost my head and my heart fell too. <laughs> and so even though, you know, the chicken head peak of Uncompagre evokes that in me, there's also a sense of the thing that I think we try to convey here, which is love. Yeah. And there's a, there's a real joy to climbing peaks. And, and when you get it right, and the views are just right like they are on this particular peak, you're allowed to kind of go on those flights of fancy and passion. So, and like this is it. a peak where losing your head may not be all that bad. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I think what's important and the reason, again, that we chose Uncompagre is what it evoked in us. And for many people, hiking is a physical pursuit. And it is for us too. We like to push ourselves, but it's also a place where you can go and feel beauty around you and be surrounded by wilderness and 
Uncompahgre is one of those peaks, like many peaks in Colorado, that allows you to have that feeling. For sure. And I think that's part of our love of hiking, and that's that's why we chose this particular peak to talk about first. Yep, absolutely. I think it epitomizes the the beauty of creation and just being outdoors and enjoying nature. And I think that's probably why it's our favorite peak. It crystallizes a lot of that. Indeed. But what do you think? Do you remember the holy boulders coming above treeline on the trail? What song do you think fits Uncompagre? And just how many times did we say Uncompagre in this episode anyways? Or Uncomparable. <laughs> Send us a note at greensandblues at gmail.com and let us know what you think. So Zach, what do we have coming up on our next episode? I believe we'll be talking about gear and That's making be shameless awesome. plugs for gear endorsements. That Eric. sounds fantastic. We need to get on that. We do. And it may, gear may not seem like the most glorious topic, but it's a critically important one. And I think we probably got a few tricks up our sleeve to make it a little more fun. Hopefully you tune into that episode too. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Comparable. <laughs> Just to <Really>? practice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>